millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, Deputy Features Editor at Billboard and Broadway Obsessive in Residence here. So usually the summer is kind of a quieter time for Broadway. Usually there is the fall season and then the spring season leading up to the Tony Awards. But then things kind of calm down, relatively speaking, for a little while. So it was exciting going into this past summer when there was definitely one major show, at least, uh, to look forward to opening. And it was called Head Over Heels. The show had a lot of buzz for various reasons, including the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow was randomly one of the producers. Uh, But mostly it was because this new musical was using the songs of the Go-Go's as its score. I was also optimistic about it because the director, Michael Mayer, uh, has proven to be really adept in the past at heading up kind of rock-leaning musicals. He directed Spring Awakening and American Idiot, both of which were great. Um, And I actually spoke to Mayer in the spring about Head Over Heels as one of a slew of new musicals that are taking the songs of female artists as their scores. And he described this particular moment in musical theater as one when, quote, women are finally getting to be in the driver's seat. That turned out to be a perfect description of Head Over Heels itself. The Go-Go's music is not the score for a story of their life in this case, so it's not a typical jukebox musical per se. In fact, the story could not be farther from the 80s California pop-punk world in which the Go-Go's became famous. The story is definitely more in the kind of silly Monty Python meets Shakespeare meets Greek myth sort of vein. I would say it is not the typical fairy tale storyline at all. Um, I'll just say that the two heroines, uh, who are both princesses, are not traditional Broadway ingenues in the least. Um, and this this show turns out to be very funny on the whole, very refreshing, and has a really um, exciting progressive feel that, that makes it a lot of fun to see. And the Go-Go's music, which is a mix of their hits, but also some lesser known songs, turns out to really be the perfect soundtrack for a story that is ultimately about breaking free of society's expectations. 
the cast members who came to the podcast this week tell the rather complex plot better than I ever could, and they have a lot to say about why the Go-Go's were the perfect musical match for the story. So here is my chat with Head Over Heels, Andrew Durand, Bonnie Milligan, and Alexandra Sosha. So tell me who you people are and who you play in the show. I'll start. I'm Andrew Durand. Uh, I play Musa Doris in the show. He is uh, a lowly shepherd boy <laughs> in this kingdom full of princesses and kings and queens. And he is in love with one of the princesses. And he desperately wants to be with her. And his pleas to be with her are, are turned down by the king. And the family, they're all leaving the kingdom because of these doomed prophecies they've received from the oracle. And he he decides to follow them. And his way of infiltrating the family to win his princess is, is um, disguising himself as an Amazonian princess, warrior, whatever you want to call her. <laughs> Beautiful woman with... A long uh, blonde wig and Madonna-esque cone boobs and high heels and everything. Flashing and, um, his legs <clears throat> yes. all the time. <laughs> and um, he – so then uh, the the whole royal family sort of starts to fall for him um, and um, hilarity ensues. It's like half the plot in just one character description. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it sh- and it should be noted that you have an excellent number with sheep. Which yeah. is one oh, of yes. my favorite parts of the show. Yes, my male <laughs> chorus of backup sheep. It's fantastic. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, I'm Bonnie Milligan. I play the eldest princess, not the one that Andrew pines for, sadly. <laughs> um, and um, I, I am the most beautiful girl in all the land, and thwarting all of my male suitors. And as the show kind of goes, as we go on this journey of really self-discovery we kind of find out why i don't like any of those guys wink 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 Wink. (laughs) and i'm alexandra sosha and i play the younger sister princess philoclea who is uh if pamela bonnie's character is the most beautiful most sought after girl in the world philoclea is referred to as plain and sweet and kind of simple and uh but she is such she's also um the a good girl which that comes into play with one of uh, the go-go songs good girl uh she's sort of known as the girl who does what's best for all and her journey in learning to fight for her love of Musidorus, which has been rejected by her father, is how to uh, also do what is best for herself. So it's the the plot is, as we've seen, sort of like complicated to describe. But I mean, how do you all think of the story? Because it's like, it's kind of like a play on Shakespeare. It's kind of Greek mythy. It's also like, feels like Monty Python to me yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I call it a modern day fairy tale. It's yeah. um, it's very fast paced. It's a you know romantic comedy, but um, you're following one family who have been kind of set in their ways the way this king has kind of set the rule of the land, and doesn't have he's not very open to many things other than like what he thinks should be. So uh, an oracle essentially calls upon him and says. You can't go down this path because, you know, change is good and these prophecies are going to happen and you're not going to like them. And so 
the family goes on the road, but the family doesn't know. It's just the king trying to run away from these prophecies. Um, so it is very Shakespearean in the idea of, you know, mistaken identity. And, you know, like Andrew said, as he dresses up in drag to go after the woman he loves. And mm-hmm. that's in so many different Shakespearean tales. And our uh, text itself is in free verse and a lot is in iambic pentameter. Mm. But with the music of the Go-Go. So it's kind of its <laughs> own category, which is what's really exciting about our show is I think it's – I don't think I've seen anything like it. It's very different and mm-hmm. – um, funny and feel good you walk away hopefully feeling a little bit lighter than when you walked in yeah and it has because of the way the script is it has sort of an old school theatrical vibe um the whole aesthetic of of the show so like it's it's really fun to to um to for an audience i think to see that sort of thing because we don't get that very much anymore there's so much sort of projections and automation and things like that it's sort of like um salt of the earth theater you know it's really cool Mm mm-hmm and I think that also there's like there's there's definitely an awareness of the audience being there. It feels like there's a bit more communion yeah. between the actors and the audience. Like the sense of humor is like tongue very firmly in cheek. It feels <laughs> yes. like there's a lot of yes. winking going on. And-, and especially with comedy, I feel like you have to ha- have this open rela- uh, conversation going with the audience at all times to you know, learn where they are and then to learn where you are and know what jokes are going to, you know, different jokes go over different ways every night, which is exciting because it yeah. keeps it really fresh and new mm-hmm. um, at each performance. What's great about the Hudson, where our theater that we're at, is it it feels close. So the yeah, audience yeah. is really with us. So it, it's so easy to have that open line of communication with what they're, you know, picking up on and what we're laying down. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And I think what keeps it charming is that it is tongue-in-cheek, but we never go into camp. And we yeah. never mm-hmm. sort of, like, it's all it comes from a place of honesty of what yeah. these characters are going through and what they're trying to get and, and achieve. And I think that's what makes it so charming. So, but, Bonnie, you were just saying, that I, I mean, which is the, the number one thing that jumps out about the show, is that the combination of this storyline and the Go-Go's music is, like, very different yeah. and not the way we're used to seeing like a pop canon presented on Broadway and I think it goes a long way towards making the show work that it's it's not a bio musical yeah. it's not trying to create some story that strings the songs together it's like a story that the music happens to fit very well yeah. in a weird way um so w- when you all heard this kind of story with the Go-Go's music, did you immediately think genius or did it take a minute to kind of like absorb oh, okay this is why this works well I think uh, I came in a little bit later than both Bonnie and Andrew, and I actually was asked to do it, do this lab workshop lab of the show two days before it started. So I haven't even hadn't even read it. I heard <laughs> Michael Mayer's directing and all this, and I showed up, and I and then I got handed the script on the second day. And honestly, when I read the script, I was like, "This sounds fantastic!" <laughs> like any thoughts of people being like, "Oh, it's Gogo's music. Oh, it's Elizabethan," and you're like, "What?" The second you actually look at the text and, and look at the story happening. I don't know. All those uh, doubts went go right out the window for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. You get We get um, verbal reactions from the audience when, you know, a song starts at a certain place in our story, and they're like, oh, like, I know this song, and, and how amazing <laughs> and surprising that it's fitting in right here so well with yeah. what's happening in the story. It's like an exciting element of the show for the audience, you know? Especially because people might think they're going in and they're seeing a show about the Go-Go's, but it has nothing yeah. to do with them, yet their music propels the story yeah. so so fantastically. 
I've even had some people that were like, okay, but some of those are go-go songs, but some are written for the show, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. no, because they fit so yeah. well. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but it's amazing because it's opening up the world of the go-go's to like a whole new generation. We've had like a really big following, especially of like 14, 15 year olds that now, um, have gone and bought the Go-Go's albums and are now Yay. listening to them are huge fans now. It's amazing because um, their music still speaks volumes. Well, I for me, it made me listen to their music in a very different way because I... I mean, like most people, I, you know, love their songs that everybody gets up to and dances to at a wedding or at a dance. And um, you think of them as, you know, foremost, these kind of like sunny California girls with guitars. Um, But depending on the point in the show, I I feel like, oh, these are really sad songs or these are like really angsty songs. Their lyrics are really deceptively simple and and they like... Their lyrics lend themselves to storytelling so well. A big one we use is vacation. You know, everybody knows the the chorus to vacation. But when you listen to the lyrics, it does have this sadder undertone and the way it's used in our show when one of the characters leaves and (laughs) is away from the person she loves, it, it has this whole other meaning to it that, yeah, is different than dancing at a wedding. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say vacation yeah. is actually the perfect example because I felt so stupid. I was sitting there and I was like, have I never listened to the words of vacation <laughs> yeah. before? Like this is yeah. a really sad song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well even like Good Girl is another one that um the Jane and Charlotte we had been at what was the Dramatist Guild Foundation Gala. Yes. And Alexandra and I went to sing a song. This was last fall. And they were talking about like coming to Broadway and they were talking about Good Girl, about how when they wrote it, they were just like, we were just, we'd always been told we couldn't do it because we were all girls. Like, because they were the really the first band to be all female to write their own songs and play their own songs and have top hits. And people told them they couldn't. And so it's like, oh, I guess I'll be a good dog, good girl. How about I write an epitaph on my grave? And you're like, whoa, <laughs> like it's so punk rock. And like, and it's amazing because it's like this like bop of a song is actually really intense. Yeah. And it just came from their frustration of being told they could only be one thing. They're amazing groundbreakers. And so their lyrics are like deep. It's really great to learn more about them. Did you all listen to them at all growing up, or has this kind of been a go-go's education for you? I, I mean, I definitely did. My mom listened to, like, 70s, 80s radio hits when I was a kid growing up, so I, I knew a lot of the songs. And I, the big hits I'd heard, and, uh, like, uh, several of their songs had been on, like, movie soundtracks. Like, I talk about Beautiful being the opening <laughs> credits of Superstar, of Superstar. which I love. <laughs> uh, but I hadn't, like, gone deep into their catalog, no, so I learned a lot. Um, and I'm now a huge fan of theirs because of the show. Yeah, I think a lot of them I didn't realize I knew, or I knew them, I didn't know it was them. We were, when we were first rehearsing it, and I didn't know anything about it. And, like, Bonnie started singing Beautiful. And I went, wait, that's one of their songs? Oh, I love that song. And you started singing Mad About You. And I was like, wait, I love that song. So I just didn't even know that they had written so many huge, huge songs. Well, and their hits are almost almost sort of a small percentage of what you hear in the show. Yeah, Because I was... Truly. Um, there were songs I'd never heard before, like Here You Are, that oh, I, like, that's... absolutely love now. And I was listening to it on repeat, like a million times the day after yes. I saw the show. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to kind of go deeper into their catalog. 
Um, so did, did, I know that they were variously part of the process, like what kind of interactions did you have with the ladies themselves as you were getting the show ready? Well, Jane and Charlotte have been the most involved, I would say, uh, just in that when we were doing workshops and labs, they would be there, um, in rehearsal at times, but every, all of them have seen it multiple, more than once. Yeah, they, they really jumped on board um, like two years ago um, when this uh, Michael Mayer and his team came on. We went up to New York Stage and Film to um, – and Andrew joined the cast then. I had been a part of it for uh, a couple years prior. So that's when um, Jane Weedlin and Charlotte Caffey and Gina Schock all came out. And they were really there. Like they were there what? Like half a yeah, week? Yeah, like, well, we were there. We were there for two weeks weeks. in total. And they came out, yeah, the second week. week And we had the 4th of July up there was our day off, and we all like had a pool party. (laughs) And it was amazing because there they were. And I, I had like at least 20 minute individual conversations with all three of them that day. Um, they're amazing and just so excited to be kind of present and be part of the process. And like Alexandra said, like we would do the next reading. Um, Charlotte came in for that. And then the lab, mm-hmm. they all, you know, they've liked to be there if they can. They're very busy and they still, you know, were touring at that point in here and they just played the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, like they're still <laughs> going. Mm-hmm. So when they can be there, they are. And they're supportive and so amazing because they're legends that are just yeah. like – they're Amazing. so excited to be on Broadway. They are. I don't think they saw <laughs> foresaw this, and so they just and they love the show. They, you yeah. know, you can always tell when Jane is in the audience because she has the best laugh. Oh yeah, ever, yes. and um, and she <laughs> likes to laugh really, really loud at parts, especially to get other people around her to laugh. I think, uh, which is fun. And we're funny. <laughs> yes, and we're fun, and because we're funny. Also, we're funny. Um, but it's 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 always very cool because because it isn't their story because it has taken their music and put it into. This other yeah. weird, this other uh, thing and entity, and they love that. Which they was actually love the story that's being told with their music. Which was actually something they said at the beginning. They didn't want a bio musical. They're like, no, nah, we don't. I don't want that. Like, our catalog is open, but like, they specifically wanted like different pitches and ideas because mm-hmm. um, they're like nobody wants to hear about our band. I was like, well, I think people would, yeah. but <laughs> um, but that was actually something they desired was like an original story with their music. So I think they're really pleased with how it came out. As and as long as we're talking about the creators, I have to ask when when the news about this show first broke. Everyone was like, Gwyneth Paltrow is producing a Broadway play. <laughs> like, have you had any Gwyneth encounters? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. oh actually, the three of us probably got the <laughs> got the really good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, when we were still re- raising money for the show, we all got to – she did have a investor's uh, luncheon at her home out in – East Hampton and um, mm-hmm. it was really lovely and, and yeah. I think we got it was and so we went out and we sang yep. and she gave a wonderful uh, speech about the show yeah. and why she believed in it and so did Michael Mayer our director mm-hmm. and um, yeah. yeah it was cool to have and then we drank rosé on Tom Kitt on <laughs> Tom Kitt on the piano and Tom, Charlotte yes. Caffey playing a guitar while you sang in yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow's in Gwyneth Paltrow's house and, living room and like that's really cool <laughs> and she was the most actually Gwyneth was like I can't believe a go-go is about to play yeah. in my living room yeah. like she because she's a huge fan of yeah. the band um, but yeah but I, at the same time she's on it there's these days with Broadway there's multiple 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 producers yeah. so yeah. she's in you know um, 
like she's not the one who's there yeah. every day. That's yeah, our, yeah, yeah. Christine Russell and Louise Gunder, the ones who are doing the yeah. the nitty gritty everyday work. But she as well. She would come out to see you know the the presentations of our labs and our workshops yeah. and everything. She was always you know made. She always knew what was going on. Yeah, with it. came Very to the cool. opening in San Francisco. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there's some goop in your future. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, I, I actually spoke to Michael about the show, um, I think right before the San Francisco production was starting. And we were talking about the fact that it's like, you know, it's been in the works for a couple of years now, but it's like feels so super, super timely yeah. in like every way possible. Yeah. Um, and I was curious. I mean, I mean, I know you've all been with the show for varying amounts of time, but was it always as progressive as it is now? Like, I feel like the whole show almost has a kind of queer sensibility. Um, And, or was that something that evolved as it got closer to Broadway? Um, It's both. I mean, it's always definitely been progressive. Um, There, there's a speech. um, I don't know how much we want to give away um, at the end that Musidorus has about kind of exploring this, you know, gender identity and presentation and the mm-hmm. fluidity that was there three years ago when I did it at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Oh, wow. um, there used to be a, a piece in there about um, kind of fighting for marriage. And that's gone now because we have we like I remember that happened in Oregon and there was um, the marriage equality bill passed and that night it was like thunderous applause and we had to hold because that had been in there and so it's interesting how then you go okay so how else can we progress and now we have so much that has grown now um with especially the character of Pythio that Peppermint plays that has really developed with um, Michael Mayer and James Mm -hmm. Magruder that is even being more progressive and showing um even further representation and queerness on Broadway that's never been done before, which is exciting that we've always wanted to do this, that we're even pushing it further as time has gone. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say a lot of our super fans are like kids, you know, teenagers that identify as they, them, non-binary, gender fluid. And and this is the first time that they've had a a story that's in the mainstream of of any form of entertainment sort of speaking for them and 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 telling their story. Yeah. And it's it's really exciting. And, And you go out, we go out to the autograph line and there are kids that are there with their parents that like, you know, that maybe the kids have had a hard time describing what they're feeling and what they're going through to their parents. But here we have a story that the families can all come to together and like learn with each other. And it's really special. I think especially yes, that it's all celebratory and joyous. There really isn't any angst and the whole journey of the show is everyone learning who they're authentic self is and and celebrating that and so yeah it's that we have all these kids and to so for a broadway musical to have a character who identifies as non-binary played by a transgender woman yeah. it, it speaks volumes to to a lot of people who haven't had the chance to to be able to see that up there yet 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that part of the sort of uh, gender fluid aspect of the show too for me is that you have like men singing songs that we like associate with Belinda Carlisle singing, yeah, <laughs> um, and like with you singing "Mad About You" is is sort of a great example of In, that. Like, I mean, the same key, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are high. And, yeah, and like even our ensemble men are, you know, they're not dressed in all butched out clothes. You know, there's like they sort of have like half skirts and they're wearing eye makeup and like you know it, the whole thing is the world is really cool. We actually have one of the our offstage swings who covers the ensemble. We do have we have a girl and a boy who cover them. We have this one girl who covers all the ensemble members, and she has oh, wow. gone on in a male track. <laughs> and it's really cool because yeah. you know there's a couple there's a couple small parts that she can't do, like the suitors who all don't wear tops while they're dancing. So she right. doesn't do that number. Yeah. But it was really cool to see her go on in the in a male track and do all the things with all the men and uh, again like further that uh, message we're trying to get out there. (laughs) How do you like having your lady pop star moment? (laughs) Oh my gosh I love it. (laughs) Like karaoke dreams come true. (laughs) Yeah Yeah, it's so fun like rolling around on the top of staircases (laughs) belting for my life. Pretty much what you do. Yeah. No, yeah. it's really fun. And I love the I love Musa Doris that like in the end, you know, it's been it's such a it's a funny joke. And myself too being like a cisgender white male, like, you know, haha, there's a man in a dress the whole show. But then at the end you hear from the character that, no, this has actually meant something to me and, and yeah. by disguising myself in this female form, I've I've discovered a, a feminine side of myself and I think I'm ready to um have that be a permanent part of me and and embrace it and, you know, be a son and daughter both to yeah. whomever. Amazing. Uh, so you, I've I've seen you two in Spring Awakening. Um, oh wow! And <laughs> a million <laughs> years like a ago, decade yes. ago, I really long. Yes. yes, yeah, a de- it was. It was a decade ago. <clears throat> we old. Um, and but but Bonnie, this is your Broadway debut, which it is, is like crazy. Woo! What a yeah. debut! <laughs> but it seems to me like you're you're all playing characters that are like maybe not what you would traditionally get to play uh, in, like, a a traditional big Broadway musical. There's something unorthodox about all of them. Um, So I was just curious to hear, like, what what kind of roles you had been doing, if this is, like, a huge break for you in some way, or if you feel like you're getting to express a side of yourself as an actor in these roles that, like, you wouldn't ordinarily. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so much, so much. No, it's a podcast. I'm a plus size lady, and um, I never get to play the pretty girl ever. And there's so much that's it's crazy. The revolutionary idea of body positivity on a Broadway stage that nothing in the dialogue has to do about it is it's sad. But there isn't another situation that I can think of that was a plus size woman and a love story. Um, celebrating herself and everyone celebrating her that doesn't mention my appearance other than that it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really amazing, crazy thing because usually, typically, so many roles that will come my way, whether it's film, TV, stage, will have kind of, you know, either jokey things about like kind of fat shamey kind of things or kind of explain why you exist or if you're struggling with your self-love and how do you overcome it kind of stuff that's so annoying and awful and that's something that has really struck me at the stage door the amount of people that are connecting with someone loving themselves on stage I never get to do that um 
And there are days when I'm having a hard day where it's helpful to have to go on stage and love myself. Um, it's healing. And I, I forget how important that is. And it's a good reminder to like practice self care, excuse me, self care and um, self love. So I am ecstatic to be able to do that on a stage. And I feel like it's a great sign for Broadway going forward too, that like people are responding in a major way to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I I mean, I feel like, uh, not to diminish anyone else, but like you're, you're getting such great buzz from the show and everybody is like, whoa, where'd she come from? (laughs) (laughs) She's been here in New York city. (laughs) And I I just hope, I really do hope that there is a, a change and a shift, um, and how we're we're presented and how we're seen that we're human beings who do fall in love and who do love themselves and um I have hope I'm I'm hoping that people come and that do see the the response of people craving it mm. um that it's important it's just not been done and it's sad um yeah yeah what about you guys I mean I I guess um I'm kind of a goofball so it's cool to be like to get to play a, a, an ingenue sort of like leading yeah. lover man, but also still be. <laughs> That's my new phrase instead of ingenue. Um, but um, yeah, so it's cool to to be able to play that sort of role, but still bring my sense of humor to it and um, like be goofy and and silly and fun and not just like a pretty boy. Because I usually fall I fall in between that. I fall in between the sort of like goofy best friend guy and then like the the i don't know leading man sort of thing so <laughs> it's nice to like to have a, a yeah. role that sort of rides rides the both lines mm-hmm. um i guess i have a confession to make which is when we first started working on the lab i thought philicleo was boring and i realized <laughs> that that was me deciding that this pretty I mean, even though she's referred to as playing this sort of angelic, delicate princess ingenue character wasn't very deep or didn't have that much to her. And, you know, she had a lovely speech at the end. But in, at first I thought I kept trying to do stuff to, to make it interesting. Like I kept being like, how do I make her really interesting? And Michael Mayer very smartly said he could see me doing stuff. He says, stop, stop doing that. Stop doing this. It's you don't need to do that and when I'd be like oh, okay are you sure that it's not just kind of boring he'd be like no no it's good and and you are interesting and you just play the truth of it stop putting stuff on and honestly over the last couple of years I've fallen deeply in love with her <laughs> and um I'm a very dark person and Philoclea is full of light and only light and I think I was always trying to you know, put some more angst in. And Michael kept telling me no, which is very smart. And it final, when it finally clicked, towards the end of the lab especially, it, it really clicked. And um, and then as we worked for San Francisco, I went, oh, I see. I see who she is. Just She's so grounded and so open and so um, hopeful. And uh, that's not... <laughs> That's not how I typically walk through the world every day. So it's it's definitely exciting to be an actor and find that in me and find that through her and then spread that to an audience and realize, oh, you don't just have to 
I've played, I've done, been in a lot of sad shows. Like, <laughs> I was typically in very I've, sad plays. I've um, seen you in pretty dramatic roles, and this is yes. like showing a sense of humor that I hadn't seen before. <laughs> exactly. So that, that there, it's, uh, I keep saying to people, I was like, oh, it's really nice to leave work, like, with a smile on my face. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever experienced that. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, I keep saying, like, these are good, these are good princesses to play because they're really, they, um, again, might seem, de- they might seem deceptively simple on the, on the outside, but there's a lot going on inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys get a sense that there's this sort of like, I guess as someone who went to see it on the very early side and is now at this place, like it feels like there's this sort of like building momentum behind the show. Like more and more people are kind of finding out like, oh, wow, this is actually a really good show. Oh, yeah. It's very much a word of mouth show, which we sort of knew because even as you said, oh, it's so complicated to explain. <laughs> yeah. And it has always been like, just get your butt in the seat because everyone who does is ecstatic about it and and yeah so it's very much word of mouth and I'm happy when people have come because someone told them to come Amy Adams came and she said that they came because one of their friends came the week before and told said it was great so that was really exciting (laughs) yeah yeah it's building to try to you know keep getting the audiences in and that we are fans have been really passionate and amazing and I you know we I think there I, I saw something on social media they do numbers of like how much different shows are talked about and we were like the, the top of social media mentions for quite a while because um, people that have come have been really passionate which has been amazing we have one fan um, who they just flew in from California they're non-binary and Tonight will be their nineteenth time seeing oh my the show. God. They yeah. live in That's California. Insane. They saw and, us. They saw us in San Francisco. And, but they even that was like a three-hour drive to come yeah. up, and um, it, it's just it's amazing. And now they have this will be their, I think their third trip to New York because they'd come, mm-hmm. they left, they came back for opening, and now they're back again um, to see it. It's just that's the kind of stuff that. You know, we know we're doing something right over at the Hudson that it's have the audiences have been face, really beautiful. Have you ever caught their face during the end of the show sometimes? Like if if they're sitting closer, yeah. I'll just steal glances at them during the end of the show and all the proclamations of love are happening and, and Peppermint is doing her speech about being non-binary and it's, oh, it's the best. It's the Aww. absolute best. And I'm okay with being a little unprofessional for that <laughs> moment because it makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm amazed that you can like break focus know, for one second and then get back. I can't look into the audience. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad. I Not always until look. The end. <laughs> I always look, Not which until is why I'm always mad because I'm like somebody's texting because I'm looking at everybody. <laughs> I have to ask. I heard a rumor that there is like a secret bar in the Hudson. Is this true? Oh, the Ambassador <gasps> yeah. Lounge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it no how, longer a secret? It's was not it once? a secret. I just I think how do you secret. get in? It's just VIP. You add oh. like you pay an extra like seventy five bucks or something on your ticket, but it comes uh, with a free bottle a free of champagne. Bottle of champagne. And you get to drink waiting for your intermission. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, it's like a smoky lounge yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's thing. beautiful. Green, Very green velvet seats. It's <laughs> <that. That's> gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Amazing. Well, and if you can't get in there, there are. I feel like people should know there are like frozen drinks in the lobby. Which is frozen. Apropos for yes. a Go Go's musical. Also, I think we have one of the largest um, bars, like in a Broadway house, like with some of like amazing top shelf 
liquors and I mean it's gorgeous. The Hudson's <laughs> an amazing theater. The history of it is really exciting because it was the f- it was basically the first Broadway theater and then it was shut down for a long time and it was other things and then they renovated it and it reopened last year with Sunday in the Park with George with Jay Chillenhall. So it's sort of it's the oldest and newest Broadway theater. Yeah. But it was also the f- um it was run by this man named Henry Harris who died on the Titanic. And his wife became... Got on the, the last lifeboat. Got on the last lifeboat yeah. and survived oh and became, yeah. like, the essentially the first female producer of Broadway theater yeah. in, in 1912, 1913. So there's cool history. Yeah. And then it, won't, it also used to be... Um, the, the Tonight Show. The Tonight Jack Show. Bar. And there's a door there. I will say this, like, on the other side of the box office. Have you ever come out of the elevator? Oh, yeah. Towards, there's a door from that says NBC Studios that's still up. and yeah, it's cool. It's a very cool place to be um, and a very cool place to see a show in. Plus, there's a lot of leg room, yeah. which I feel like there I should is, mention. It's comfy seats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Comfy seats. Frozen drinks. What, oh, yeah. And the go-go is what more could you want? Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming, you guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. They don't know Head Over Heels is currently playing at the Hudson Theater on Broadway. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please give us lots of nice reviews and stars on iTunes. You can also find us on many other platforms, including Google Play and Spotify. If you would like to tweet about the podcast, use hashtag Billboard on Broadway. You can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff. You can see pictures of the guests who visit, um, among other things, on my Instagram at YouDownWithRMM. And hope to have you back at the podcast next week. your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.